This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to... Blowing bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined in Fakatani by Mawera Karatai. Kia ora, Mawera. Hello, Sam. How's it going? It's going very well indeed. I've got my big swim on Saturday. I'm going, to, I'm going to say that I'm all ready for it, but that would be a bit of an exaggeration. Is it Whale Island? White Island. White Island. Oh, yeah. I couldn't because we've got whale and white here and I knew it was one or the other. Good not, luck with that swim. Not as far away as your one and less dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> Always good. And who are we introducing today? Today, it is my great pleasure to introduce Karen Farmer. I've known Karen for a number of, number of years. Um, she's um, a wonderful educator here in the Eastern Bay of Plenty. Um, who's, do, who's just actually finished her master's and it was um, talking about her master's work with her the other day that made me really excited about having her on our show today. She's, um, I cannot believe how much cool stuff I learned, Karen. Okay, Karen is uh, based here in the Eastern Bay of Fenty and, uh, and it's such a cool thing to have you here. Welcome. Thank you, Marwita. <laughs> As always, you make me feel so good about myself. <laughs> Because you are good. Thank you. But also she's good at that. Yes, definitely. So how has your bubble life been? Um, it's been interesting. I mean, the lockdown bubble seems a very long time ago um, when, you know, the my husband and my two kids and I were all sort of stuck in the house together and um, and, you know, doing things like daily walks and family family games nights and things um and yeah since then I think in some ways we've kind of all just taken a bit of a a step back and a bit of slowed down a little bit um yeah we kind of enjoyed the lockdown really just not having to go anywhere or do anything um so yeah that that part of it has been has been good um yeah and and for the work that I'm doing um yeah the impact was has been sort of inconveniences rather than dire so i'm you know really fortunate i guess in those in that regard so what work is it that you do um so at the moment um i'm working as a um pld facilitator so that's working in schools providing um professional learning and development to schools you know to teachers and and for them to be um, working with their students. So, so teaching the teachers on an ongoing teaching basis. 
Yeah, yeah. So the um, the area I'm working in is in literacy, um, but it's in something called reciprocal teaching, which is um, yeah a, a different form of um, a different strategy for teaching literacy to what uh, sort of Mawira and I had been discussing on the weekend. You're going to have to tell us what it is now. <laughs> um, so reciprocal teaching has been around since the 80s and it's a, a way of um, helping students to think more deeply about the texts that they're reading. Um, my um, employer is our Teach Institute and I work with um, uh, Dr Julia Westra who has developed a version of reciprocal teaching which is RT3T that is more aligned with the New Zealand context and the way that we teach in New Zealand. It focuses on teaching kids um, you know, four, four strategies to help their comprehension, um, predicting, questioning, summarising um, and clarifying. And the, the idea is that the, student, the, the kids who are learning this develop their metacognitive strategies, so their ways to think about thinking and their ways to think about their learning so that when, when they're reading a text or when they're perhaps watching a video, if we think about in terms of the, um, you know, the whole fake news and um, COVID conspiracies and all those sorts of things, it's giving them skills that they can perhaps apply to those kinds of real-world situations as well as you know, any, any life situations. Um, but with what we're doing in schools, the primary focus is on improving kids' literacy. I was just going to ask, what's the? At what point do you do that? Is that at the learning to read stage, or is it putting into practice and giving perhaps a purpose to the reading later um, on? Yeah. So the the students that we work with are um, are sort of year f- three to four upwards. So we've used it right through to you know year twelve students, um, and so the idea is that yeah the, the students are able to access text, to decode, um, you know, at, at an appropriate level. And then they work together. It's a collaborative activity as well. So they're working together in a team and, you know, deciphering the text together. Um, at the point that we're working with them, they have an adult with them as well who may be their classroom teacher. It could be a teacher aide or a, a volunteer. Um, and so that adult is there to help help the students and to help them to um, put the skills into practice. The ultimate, of course, is that once they've had this intensive period of time that they can then go on and work um, and use the skills quite independently. Although it's really cool that it's a collaborative activity because it's setting up that ability to have that critical thinking as something which is done in a group and not just sitting on your own. Yeah, yeah, totally. And it gives them a really good structure to do to do collaborative work. Um, often as teachers, kids are told to get into groups and go and do something, you know, some kind of task, um, and, and the kids don't have a structure to do that in. And so, you know, with what we're doing with the, um, the RT3T is we're really giving them that structure that the students can take, on, take away to use in other tasks. And did you help teachers put that, do that remotely? Were teachers doing it remotely during the lockdown? 
some of the teachers were yes. Um, so the the teachers who had already we'd already started working with, um, they were able to. Okay, bearing in mind some of you know some of our teachers' digital skills are not as good as others. So we had um, yeah. So you know all the teachers were doing online distance learning, and some of them were also implementing it um, at a at a distance. So that was a another whole experience on sitting in and participating in a group um, as a as a you know via Zoom or whatever platform the school was using. Um, but predominantly it's a you know it's a face-to-face um, in-person sort of um, intervention for kids. What we need of course is people to be able to be critical of things that they read wherever it is, in particular yep. social media at the moment. Are you seeing this as preparing kids to to become young adults to be able to be more critically aware of of what they're they're reading in all forms? Yes, it's definitely one of the the tools. I'm not going to say it's the only one, um, because obviously, you know the the impact from other adults around them and their peers and things also um, has an influence, but. W- what it does is it gives them that ability to sort of say, okay, first of all, to recognise that that perhaps what they're reading doesn't make sense, um, and it might make sense on a, at a word level. So there, you know, might be some phrases or words in there that they don't understand, or as a as an overall, when they kind of you know read a, a piece of text or a chunk of text, they get to a point and go, hang on, this I don't understand this. I need to get this clarified. So when you know, if we talk about critical thinking, that you know, clarification is hugely important because if otherwise you just go on not knowing that you don't know. Um, the the next sort of stage is where the students ask each other questions about what it is that they've read. Um, and so that, again, that ability to form questions where you know the answer is, you know, important to critical thinking because, again, if you're forming a question and you realise, actually, I don't know the answer, then that tells you that you need more information yourself, you know, going back to that clarifying. Um, then summarising, you know, hugely important to be able to boil down what it is you've read into, you know, manageable chunk of information. Um, and then the final one is is predicting. So if I'm reading this or if I'm hearing this, what do I think will be you know, logical to, that I will find out next or that I will hear next or that I will read next. Um, and so, again, it's another, in a way, it's another check because if you've predicted that an article or a, a speech or whatever is, is going to give you, you know, some information and you don't get that information, straight away you're having to be thinking about what it is that you thought was going to happen and comparing it with what actually happened. So they're all, you know, important components of of critical thinking. Let's take the first of your music choices. Let's have Noah and the Whale, five years' time. <laughs> Why this one? Um, I think I, I, I like this one at the moment. It's um, it's kind of just a upbeat reminder that things that nothing stays the same, um, that things change, and but actually that it will be okay. Um, and I think in sort of, for me at the moment, I'm, I'm kind of thinking in, you know, in five years' time, where would I like to be and what would I like to be doing? Um, 
yeah, as Mawid has said, I've just finished my master's. Um, so now I want to take some time and think about, you know, family and other things for a, for a few years and then yeah, maybe make the big decision about the next step in the floppy hat. <laughs> a useful message that it will be all right it'll be different but it will be all right yeah and what we do now 
we may look on in four, five years' time or six months' time even at the moment and think, what the hell were we thinking? Um, but that's life. That's just, yeah, that's okay. It's okay to make mistakes and it's okay to change what you, what you think about things. You're working with teachers, working with kids, so I'm going to assume a little bit that you, you can have some idea of how to communicate with kids. Do you think that the the government's messages about COVID are getting through to kids in a way that's understandable for them? Um, I think so. I mean, I take it. I'll take the experience or the you know from I guess from my kids and and their friends. Um, because I've got a, a an eleven and a fifteen year old, um, they do they do seem to be getting it. Um, they don't seem to be afraid. Um, I think they were right at the very beginning when suddenly, you know, our world was rapidly changing and and we were being told that you know tomorrow you're not going back to school. Um, I think they you know they were they really were afraid then. Um, but the response and the messages that they're getting, yeah, I I think that that's it's got through to them. They understand it. Um, you know, they certainly seem to be better at doing things like washing their hands. And um, you know, I've noticed in classrooms, kids aren't as sick. So you know, last year or you know, prior to my you know, in the rest of my teaching career, you know, you go into every classroom and there'd be one or two kids at least and over the winter and they'd be coughing and sneezing and you'd kind of look at them and think, oh, you really ought to be at home. Um, but you didn't, you know, often they they weren't, they'd stay at school and so then, yeah, the bugs would, would get around. So I do think those messages are getting through, um, perhaps not, to some of our teenagers, um, unfortunately, teenagers will be what teenagers will be. So yeah, no, I think I think the I think the bite sized is is has been great. It might not be the full picture, but it certainly it gives us all something to go by. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't been paying attention in, in that space because I don't have kids that age anymore. But is, is the communication just coming through the school, or is there? I don't know. Is 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 there a government messaging particularly aimed at at kids? Um, I think there's been there've been a few um, sort of uh, songs and stuff go out on on the web, which I'm not sure actually myself whether they you know for, come from the ministry or or private um, individuals. Um, most of most of what I think kids are being told is coming from you know their school and their teachers and you know hopefully those are are all the right messages that are coming through from the ministry um yeah it's a little bit tricky for me as well because while I'm in classrooms I'm not in them full time and I'm not seeing a lot of those um yeah I'm not you know at staff meetings and things like I would have been if I was classroom teaching still is it making it more complicated for you going to to schools are they back to to welcoming you and not stopping you at the Stopping you at the gate and <laughs> um, yeah, level level one means that we can get in and, and do our job as normal, which is great. Um, in many ways, level two was the hardest for us because um, while schools were still open, um, because with you know we could potentially be in um, you know five 
you know, five or six different classrooms within one school and maybe, you know, two or three different schools in one day, um, we, we and because the, the way that we work is, you know, very close, you know, we're working in a group, we weren't going in to classrooms during level two and working directly with teachers and students. So, you know, that was really hard. Whereas at level, you know, levels three and four, um, everyone was on devices. And so, and if, you know, we could, we could get back into the classroom digitally. Um, so yeah, for us, for our work, level two has been the hardest. No, I hadn't thought of that, 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 that contact, some contact makes it more difficult because, of course, you, yeah. could be, you wouldn't want to be a super spreader because that would be embarrassing. No, it would be completely embarrassing, and that's basically what we brought it down to with the schools we were working with. <laughs> yeah, when I added up one day that it was something like 120 kids in three schools and, and yeah, seven classrooms or something, it was just like, no, this is um, – yeah, nobody argued with me after that. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokunui, Dunedin's favourite goddess – I hope all have stayed stars in your beloved university and I really hope that wherever you are and whatever is happening in this journey, you're all on together, proving to be very rewarding, very sustaining and illuminate for you more each day, who you a triumph of nature's art, perfect, unique and here, making them thank you. So beautiful and amazing people as we know. We have been through this incredible journey together, this unprecedented time. We are in the midst of a global pandemic, and yet for us here in Aotearoa, Dunedin, and indeed Aotearoa, New Zealand, we are being largely spared all the suffering and, and chaos and pain that the rest of the world is bearing. So we're so very fortunate. And I'm so glad that we are continuing under the leadership of Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern, I'm sure that not everybody feels the same way, but as she has spoken of, and as we have spoken many times, having differences of opinion, having differences of perception is really important. And the more that we share these differences of perception and these differences of perspective, the more we learn and grow and co-evolve together. And for me, at the moment, as we know, I'm embarking on a solo adventure. Harvey Penfold have moved back up north to explore his very important self-actualization journey, which we all need to do. And I'm really loving the sense of connection and recognition and freedom and support that I'm feeling in my relationship with others now. I've been so grateful that for particularly the last several days I've had so much amazing support from everyone around me and my wonderful godfather father figure Richard Trotter came and helped me yesterday and we moved all of these objects from the front of the front of my house and we took them to the tip and we mowed the lawn and I started the lawn mower which was you know a huge achievement and I was shown how to prime the lawnmower and do all these various things that I really need to know how to do for myself now which is fantastic and the sense of space and spaciousness making way for the new having this very beautiful entranceway to my house all full of native plants it's a really really wonderful development and as we know beautiful mahuika the hey hey has been sitting on eight fertile eggs and unfortunately I came out this morning and the bottom of the hen house had fallen down and the eggs were on the ground and this is because it was a very old hen house that we had been given 
and unfortunately it did not stand the test of time and ate fertile eggs. So I'm going to investigate getting a brand new hen house for Hey Hey HQ and I'm going to investigate whether I can get more fertile eggs. And Mahuika is still sitting on these fertile eggs but I think because they went cold they may not have made it which is very sad. But I'm really really hoping we can start again. So I really hope that for you, whatever is happening around you, you're able to see the possibility of new beginnings in your life, whether it's by practicing making space in your life, visually in your home, whether it's encouraging new ways of interacting with people around you, new friendships, new relationships. Whatever it is, I really hope that you can feel that at any time, it's always possible to do things in a new way for yourself, in a way that works better for you. And it's so important that we do this because for all of us, we are contributing such precious, unique gifts at all times. And it's important that the life that surrounds us and sustains us is right for us. So I'm so grateful for these five minutes each day with you and I'll look forward to talking to you tomorrow. I really hope wherever you are, you have a wonderful, wonderful day and I'll see you soon. Thanks so much. Kakiti. You're listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with Karen Farmer. Do you think the kids are positive? Are they still positive? I mean, I suppose the kids are always positive. But as you said, they got, they got a bit of a fright at the start of COVID. Has the optimism come back? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think there is a sense of, you know, like with with all of us perhaps of, of weariness um, in terms of, you know, as in, you know, being tired of it all, you know, tired of the hand sanitizer at the door um, and that sort of sense of, um, you know, having to be more alert. Um, but, yeah, the optimism is still there. Um, I think, you know, the that feeling of being, I don't know, trapped here is is not as strong perhaps as it might have been, you know, right back at the beginning that there's, you know, the, the world is still out there. Um, so, yeah, it's just, it's just going to have to wait and it might be a little bit different. You're talking about enjoying being stuck at home together and that that time of lots of people are calling it a reset what do you think we should learn from that time oh um i think it is probably just that idea that we don't need to be busy all the time um that it is okay to enjoy our own company and and i think too to prioritize um you know those people who are nearest and dearest to us um, I know that at the point, you know, when, when the levels changed and we were allowed to extend our bubble um, and we extended our bubble to include some friends who's, who were both working full-time, um, you know, because they're essential workers and their kids have been left, you know, they were old enough to be home alone, but, you know, their kids had basically been at home on their own all day, um, every day through through lockdown and seeing our kids and their kids get together um, at that point when we were allowed to extend our bubble was just, yeah, just amazing. They just reconnected in in such a fantastic way. Um, And that connection, I think, has has remained. It's been really interesting. Yeah, their connection since that that time has become stronger than what it was beforehand. Um, 
So, yeah, I think it's that kind of, you're just acknowledging the importance of, of our friends and our family um, and taking the time to, to spend with them. It certainly showed us the value of community. The time that we weren't allowed to get together really brought home to us how much we value that. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't know about other people's streets, but, you know, we talk to our neighbours and, and, you know, the people down the street probably for the first time ever, um, you know, during lockdown and, and you know, because people were out walking and walking with their kids and, um, you know, and, and everyone was home. So you, you sort of seem to see people more often during lockdown than you did at any other point in time. Yeah, perhaps annoyingly, as soon as we were allowed to go back, we went back to rushing around a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, all the kids after, for you know, for our family, the after-school activities came back on board. The, um, you know, the, the longer hours, perhaps, you know, sometimes at work, you know, with meetings and things, yeah, all of that's, yeah, come back in. So it's it's been different. So with this reset, what sort of thing are you using to describe what we're doing now? Is it recovery, regeneration, something else? Recovery or regeneration? In terms of like the country or just... Yeah, is it, is it, a, is it a trying to get back to business as usual? Is it a trying to get back to, to something else? Um, I think it's a trying to get back to business as usual, but knowing that we actually can't. So it's sort of that, um, yeah, just having those kind of opposing views, really. Um, and and even at the same, you know, within within each moment, I guess. So, you know, trying to get back to normal, trying to, you know, do whatever it is that you have always done, but knowing that actually you can't, that things really have changed. Um, and I guess, you know, maybe for some people, it's that impact is probably a lot more significant than it is. You know, I mean, our bubble has been a very safe little bubble. You know, here in um, in the Eastern Bay, you know, we didn't we didn't have COVID cases. Um, you know, we didn't have that sort of you know real fear perhaps of you know that maybe people in Auckland had um, or other parts of the country of you know when they went out to the supermarket um, and then within you know our personal bubble you know we've we've kept our jobs you know so our, our lives have gone on as a family pretty much untouched um, and friends of ours who have been impacted more have managed to you know find other work and things like that so they're okay too but I can imagine that for for a lot of people um, you know they'll be going through almost like the grieving process now you know that sort of realization that things have changed forever that way things were is not the way it will be moving forward but it's an opportunity to think of us for us to think about what sort of world do we want to live in Totally, totally. But I think, yeah, before you can do that, you have to, you know, for those people who have been significantly impacted, which you have to, you have to grieve for what you've lost first before you can move forward. Um, and yeah, 
how that looks for, for people will vary. But yes, it would be fantastic if we could just move forward in a much better better way than what we were. Um, and I'm optimistic that we can. <laughs> I'm enough of a realist to perhaps think that maybe we won't, but I'm optimistic, yeah. So of all of the changes that we have seen in the last few months, what do you think will stick and what do you hope will stick? Um, I think people being um, more aware of others and how their, um, you know, how how what they do impacts on others. I think we we've we'd kind of lost that a little bit. That idea that you know what I do might actually have an impact on others. So for the moment, it's about you know health, and so you know if I'm going to cough or I'm going to sneeze, I'm going to try and contain it rather than just letting it fly through the room. Um, but I think it's that being, you know, if we can extend that so that, you know, people really do sort of think twice about what, you know, what they're about to do and how that may um, impact on other people, I think that would be fantastic. Um, I think some of the the realisations about, um, you know, working from home, you know, that it, Actually, you don't have to be in in your office to be productive. Um, So in terms of, you know, environmental health and and mental health, that can be huge, Um, so long as you've still got the option to, you know, connect with people. So, yeah, those those sorts of things I'm I'm really hoping will stick. Um, I'm hoping that we, you know, some of the things that I'm hoping don't stick, to be honest, are the mask wearing, you know, don't... um, Again, here in the Eastern Bay, we were sort of fairly immune, I suppose, from from that. Um, you know, public transport's not not the um, main focus, you know, on people's lives that it perhaps is in bigger cities. But you know, there's something a little bit disconcerting about walking around and people have got their faces covered. Um, but I also hope that perhaps the acceptance that if people are wearing a mask, it's it's for again for the greater good kind of thing. So, you know, it's an acknowledgement that maybe I'm not that well today. I'll just stop my bugs from going everywhere. That would be good. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Let's take, you give love a bad name, Bon Jovi. (laughs) Bon Jovi, classic.
We're getting closer to rolling into summer and hopefully we'll be ma- managed to keep the the pandemic at bay. You got any big plans for the the big Kiwi summer? Yep, we're um we've got plans to go and spend basically three weeks down in the South Island. So, um, yep, my husband's from the South Island and, you know, we've made regular trips down there with um, with the kids. So this, but we've not really explored the very bottom of the South through the Catlins and things um, and through um, Fiordland. So we're going to take advantage of, of the the lack of tourists. Hopefully, you know, hopefully that sounds terrible. Um <laughs> <laughs> the lower tourist numbers and and go and have a look at you know Milford Sound and, and Doubtful Sound and those um you know those corners of of the country that for a long time have felt um that they've been yeah tourist meccas rather than perhaps places that you know Kiwis want to go. I think it's going to be an amazing summer in that that regard. I think knowing that every I mean we'll be missing out on the the fact that you're talking to someone and they turn out to be from Denmark or wherever but we still knowing that we've got that that shared experience with the the people at the picnic table I think it's I I think it's going to be a really fun summer yeah I think and it's going to be it is going to be really different I think in many ways um so yeah no I'm, I'm really looking forward to it fingers crossed the weather stays good you do know that it is a rainforest, particularly in Fjordland. <laughs> yes, but for the rest of the summer, you know, I'm in the Eastern Bay, so you know we can we can give away three weeks of um, of the summer and and make the most of the sun when we when we come home. And when it's raining in Fjordland, it's when it's at it's most spectacular. Yes, yeah, yeah. We we'll just have to take our umbrellas and raincoats. I have some questions to end the show with. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? Ooh. Um, I think it has to be um, finally finishing, so long as, of course, I you know, pass my final assignment, my master's. Um, that has been something that I have has been on my, I'm not going to say my bucket list, but on my list of things to do since I left university um you know 20 something years ago so to finally to finally get there and and actually do it is fantastic um and also for me stepping completely out of of school and going into this facilitator role and where I'm actually working in schools with with teachers um that for me has been a huge success as well um and I'm absolutely loving it I mean, I love teaching. I love working with kids. Um, but this is kind of like all the best bits of teaching without the report writing and the, and the long staff meetings. Unless runny noses. And less runny noses, yes. So we're writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So you are in our team. What is your superpower? What is my superpower? Ooh, I think that's a hard one. Mawera can answer it for you then. Yeah, maybe she'll have to because I think sometimes your superpowers are best viewed by other people than yourself. 
Um, I think, Karen, your superpower is your ability to stand fast to what you know is right, even when people around you are questioning that or, or um, I don't know, I haven't got the right words for it, but you, you know what is the right thing and you stick to that. And I flip and admire that so much. You're a very principled woman, but always for the greater good. So there wow. you go. Principledness <laughs> for the greater good. Okay. Thank you. Almost as good as laser eyes. Yes, but perhaps not quite as good as being able to, you know, um, be faster than a speeding bullet. Do you consider yourself to be an activist? Um, hmm. Do I consider myself an activist? Only in that I want to take action. Um, I'm not one for standing on the street corner or um, shouting from the rooftops. Um, I, I prefer to do things quietly, um, to try and get alongside people and to have the, the quiet conversation and um, to sort of to work with them. So, yeah, not perhaps traditional activism as I would, as I would define it. Yeah. So what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? <laughs> um, oh, I think just that idea that might actually make a difference. Um, there's a, there's a, um, a quote, and I can't remember it exactly, so don't hold it against me, but a, it was um, apparently written by a scout leader. So it was originally aimed you know, at scout leaders who are dealing with boys. But it says, you know, 100 years from now, it won't matter what car I drove or how much money I had, um, but the world may be a different place, may be a better place because I made a difference in the life of a child. Um, yeah. So I think, yeah, that's it for me. And what challenge are you looking forward to in the next year or so? Um, taking some time for myself, actually. That um, and in my family and sort of having that that focus, you know, my focus for the last you know couple of years has been on my study. Um, so there are other you know aspects of life that have have slipped a bit. Um, so yeah, I want to want to focus on on those. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? <laughs> um. Oh, talk to your kids and read to your kids, um, especially when they're little. And develop the why and the wonder and the, um, yeah, just foster their imaginations and their desire for learning. Thank you very much for that. Mawira. Um, you are so exactly right. Um, that is the key to the future and thank you Karen thanks for your commitment to being an educator for all these years and for all that you do and all the lives you touch you're awesome thank you for inviting me thank you very much for joining us we're going to go out to another Noah and the Whale song let's go out to Blue Skies
a song for anyone with a broken heart. This is a song for anyone who can get out of bed. been listening to blowing bubbles positive conversations with people in their bubbles their safe spaces around the world brought to you by the sustainable lens team which is brought to you by otago polytechnic we're broadcast on otago access radio every weekday afternoon at three and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz you can find us on facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts we had a contribution today from tahu mckenzie i'm samuel man in soyuz bay dunedin with mawira karatai and Karen Farmer in Fakatani. We hope you enjoyed the show. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.